0: to get the stuff done, the tasks, when everybody else is sleeping so that when everybody else is awake, I could have my phone down and my emails shut and uh, be focused on the people that matter most. That would be awesome.
1: Welcome back to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. My name is Mike Flynn and I am honored to be your host. Our mission here on the Impact Entrepreneur Show is not just to inspire you, but also to help you tap into and begin to believe in your God-given potential and purpose. That's right, baby. We want you to not only be inspired, but experience breakthrough. And we do that on this podcast by interviewing incredible people who are using their experiences, their skill set, their platforms to have a game changing impact in the lives of others. And here's the thing none of these folks are simply sitting back, living a life of leisure. They have things to do, places to go, and lives to impact. Speaking of that, I actually have a lot in common with today's guest, John O'Leary. We have a shared faith, beautiful wives who are more awesome than will ever be, four children, a love for Matt Mars music, and an insatiable curiosity. One that manifested as a childhood love for actually playing with fire. My pyrotechnic tendencies ended after accidentally setting my brother's clothes on fire in our backyard shed. No one was seriously injured. But we learned to stop playing with fire. John, unfortunately, learned the lesson in a life-altering way. At age nine, a fire exploded and John was launched 20 feet against the far side of his garage, trapped and on fire. When he was brought to the burn center, 100% of his body was burned and he was given a 1% chance to live. But John fought these extraordinary odds, although he didn't face this battle alone. He spent five months in the hospital, underwent dozens of surgeries, lost all of his fingers to amputation. He had to relearn to walk, relearn to write. And relearn how to feed himself. As John put it, he had to endure, persevere, and survive. Largely because others emerged and served and inspired him. Now, John lives to share the life-giving lessons from his story in hope that he can spark a positive change in others. As John put it, I share these lessons as a tribute to those who leapt into the flames to save me, who worked tirelessly to restore me, who pushed me to write though I had no fingers, who held me close when the days were dark and the nights were scary, who helped share these lessons as an invitation for you to choose to wake up to the fullness of your life, to embrace the amazing gift of each moment and to celebrate the joy of your inspired life. We often feel like we have to have things mapped out and scheduled. We've been told that we will need checkpoints and milestones in order to move forward in life and achieve anything worthwhile. But that I'm telling you right now is a big fat lie. So I asked John, someone who could never have planned the experiences he had to overcome, what's the one thing that we all need to move all in and move forward in our own lives? And this is what he said. We are in battle every day. But most of us don't even recognize it as being a battle. We just view it as being the ordinary or the mundane or just, quote, my life or just, quote, work. And we don't realize how, scare, how sacred the moment is. We don't recognize how freaking blessed we are to be in the game in the first place. There are roughly one, there's roughly a one in four trillion chance of you and me being born in the first place. And as John says, maybe it's time that we start acting like it. So bust out your pens and paper, take some notes, and get ready to brace for impact and live a life on fire with John O'Leary. John O'Leary, welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. Dude, we've been trying to line this thing up for like almost a year, I think. And I'm very grateful that we finally, uh, that the universe is worked for us today well Mike Flynn you uh,
0: you have been a big part of the universe working for us today and I'm <laughs> honored man to be on the show so thank you
1: for making time yeah, absolutely you know we have a ton in common if you didn't know first we got our our shared faith secondly we each married a beautiful woman who proved <laughs> they are way more awesome than we will ever be um, we have four children uh, yes. we, we both love Matt Mars music. And, yes. and we are both curious. We, we lead with curiosity.
0: And finally, I would add, both handsome and <laughs> and exceptionally athletic, actually.
1: <laughs> yes, I, I love that. I love that. I agree. You know, um, I always kick things off with, with our origin story. And you have a very powerful origin story that um, really has shaped the trajectory of your life. And we're going to use a quote to kind of kick things off. And this quote comes from someone named Lovell Drockman. I've never... I don't know who this person is, but I just found this quote and I loved it. And it said, Blessed are the curious, for they shall have adventure. Hmm. And so when you were a kid, who inspired adventure in you?
0: Gosh, man. I mean, my my mom and dad were and remain my heroes. So um, the origin story for me is actually very... Unextraordinary extraordinary in some regards. I'm a Missouri kid, St. Louis born, <clears throat> St. Louis bred, white-collared community, white picket fences, golden retrievers in the backyard, and, uh, and mom and dad who were home every night together for dinner, who um, took care of us and loved us and guided us forward and encouraged six kids to love one another and to strive to be better tomorrow than we were today. And so I I learned a great deal of curiosity and a great deal about life from the heads of my table growing up.
1: Hmm. Hmm. What kind of adventurous things did your parents do with you?
0: (laughs) You know, so my mom, this is, she's going to hate me for saying this, but this is the truth. She does not like animals, (laughs) right? So like, oh, she's a horrible human being is your first thought when you hear that. And yet what you need to know about my family is during the course of my childhood, we uh had four different dogs. We had a cat that we took in off the streets that had a litter of kittens. We had a turtle that we found in a backyard pond that we got to keep for two years. We had a rabbit that we found injured that we nursed back to health. We had two birds. We had gerbils. And I'm, I'm forgetting what else we had. But the point <laughs> is, this woman who did not like something allowed her children to experience the things she did not like. And I think that tells you an awful lot about my mom and the kind of lady that she was. And then my dad, he's the military guy. He's a business owner. He's an attorney, kind of straight laced in some regards. But uh, we, we grew up in a neighborhood where new construction was all around us, which meant my brother and I and our friends were always finding these carpenters who would allow us to have nails and tape and wood. We would bring it back to our yard and we would build these forts. And my poor dad would come home and we would have a two story fort in our backyard, but he he did not get the sledgehammer. He, he instead celebrated this ugly creation that his two boys and their friends had created together. So uh, although mom and dad may not have been thrilled with the children that they were raising and bringing forth into the world, they also celebrated, <laughs> they celebrated what we were making and what we were creating
1: and, uh, and the lives that we were leading, I love that. Your mom definitely um, personifies the, the true meaning of the word passion, which is the willingness <laughs> to suffer.
0: You, know? <laughs> you, know? well, you and, have no idea. I mean, as we
1: unpack yeah. my story, we'll talk more about her passion because oh, my she's, my on gosh, the-
0: yeah. and she's an amazing example.
1: You know, the um, <clears throat> I just discovered that we also have a couple other things in common. I'm one of six kids myself, and my dad's a retired army officer. Oh, my God. Yeah. Awesome. Where were you in the order, Mike? I'm number two. All right. I'm number four, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So, So, you know, um, when I was a kid, we had a lot of adventure as well. We had, and we did, you know, similar things. You know, people had construction projects and they would give us their leftover stuff. And we had a storage shed in our backyard. Hmm. That's where my brother and our you know, neighborhood friends, that's where we would create our mischievous things, our, our inventions. And one of the things that we would do out there is we would take these aerosol cans and we would spray the benches and we would light them on fire and we would like, you know, use them as a torch. And uh, I mean, we're incredibly lucky. And, and the turning point when we stopped doing that was when I, I actually sprayed my brother. Wow. Um, on his clothes uh, with an aerosol can and it uh it, you know his clothes caught fire and and we luckily we were very fortunate to to brush that off and and you know not experience anything tragic but it was it was a form of curiosity and, and we learned that playing with fire is is incredibly dangerous and and you learned that in, a, in an incredibly um, life-altering way. So I'd love for you to take us back to the impact moment that really changed the trajectory of your life. Can you take us to that day? Can you talk about the role curiosity played in it and and how it really opened you up to the potential later down the road? So what, what I will begin
0: in answering your, your beautiful question is to Uh, Own the fact that all your female listeners right now are thinking that there's something very wrong with Mike Flynn, (laughs) Uh, and all your guy listeners are thinking, "Man, I was doing the exact same thing in my backyard with ants or in the bathroom with hairspray." Or little boys are just curious naturally, and I think we need to uh, keep them between the lines, but also allow them to explore the gift of life. And so, when you were exploring in, in your fort area, I was also exploring in mine. At age nine, I saw boys in my neighborhood playing with fire and gasoline. And I assumed if these boys could do this and get away with it, that I could as well. And so Mike, on January 17th, uh, 1987, a lifetime ago, a little boy named John O'Leary walked into his garage. Mom and dad were out. I bent over a can of gasoline. I tried to pour a little safe amount of gasoline on top of a burning piece of paper. And before the liquid even came out of the can, your listeners already know this, and you know it, Mike, but before the liquid came out, the fumes which is significantly more flammable than liquid. And I think we could rift on this one all afternoon if you wanted. But in life, it's very seldom liquid that burns. It's almost always the fumes, Mm. Uh, not just with gasoline or paint or whatever else, but it's the fumes of life that get us. And that day, those fumes got me massive explosions, split the metal can in two, picked me up, Mike, and launched me 20 feet against the far side of the garage. And so that is my inflection moment. It sets me on fire covers my body not only with gasoline but with flames i got trapped in this garage and the, uh, in time find myself in a burn center emergency room with eight so 87% of my burns were third
1: degree and i find myself in a burn center dying mm. you know the the thing that really strikes me in your book which is an incredible book where you where you out line these these events and even more and all of the lessons that you've learned along the way is that and this I think is is an important it's a life lesson there you know there's there's through lines in every story right and the number one reason why you're here and we're we're here together um is because having this conversation is because you didn't face this battle alone from the moment you you ran into your house your siblings were there to save you and and then in the hospital you your mother and your father gave you a choice and there's this very poignant moment in your story where your mom walks into your room and she says "John do you want to live or do you want to die it's your choice" and like i mean i'm just getting goosebumps even thinking about that conversation, right. there's two things that come to mind. Number one, where in the heck did she get this confidence to say that? And number two, right. why did you choose to live in hmm. that moment? So you, you bring up a whole lot of topics right there, and I'll, I'll get to the
0: answers of your two questions in a moment. But it is important to recognize that my siblings were the first responders that day, and they were my very first heroes. And uh, ordinary people became extraordinary people on that morning, which I think is all of our expectations in life. But back to the, the question you brought up, my mom, my dad walked in first, Mike, and the, he saved, but it was actually my mom love and her question that changed my life. She walked into the emergency room, Mike. She took my right hand in hers. My hand was wilted and burned terribly. And, and uh, my fingers were all about to be amputated. So it's a scary situation for her. She, she looks at me and she says, I love you. And I look back and I say, mom, knock it off with the love. Am I going to die? And when I asked the question, I assumed she would say, no, <laughs> you're fine. But instead, she gave me truth in the form of that question. She said, baby, do you want to die? It's your choice. It is not mine. And I looked back and said, mom, I don't want to die. I want to live. And her response was good. Then take the hand of God, walk the journey with him, and you fight like you have never fought before. She said, John, your dad and I will be with you, but you've got to fight now. This is your fight. So there's a lot going on there. The, The very first is where did she get the courage to ask the question? And what she would respond is through the Holy Spirit. She's, she's a devout, faithful person. She's an ordinary, in quotes, housewife who was completely ill-equipped for a child being burned 100% of her body, presenting in the ED that day. So she wasn't ready for this. It wasn't through training. Uh, she gives credit to God for why she had the the spirit to turn it back over to me. But I think if, if you go a layer deeper, for those of you who um, you're not open yet to faith in your own life, I, I, I get it. I think, though, there is a desire I think we all have in our own lives to lead people effectively. And you got to ask yourself, well, how do we lead them effectively? And ultimately, you've got to lead them to a point where they make a decision, where it's their choice. They can no longer be victim to what happened to them yesterday or earlier today. And my mother led me to this point in my life where she made me choose what was going to happen next. And this is a decision point we all have every day of our lives. I, I was blessed to have my mom put that in front of me that day. So I... I credit her. And then secondly, you said, John, why did you decide life? Why did you decide to fight for it? And um, <laughs> even as a nine-year-old, having no idea what amputations may feel like or skin grafts or bandage changes or physical therapy or years of physical challenges, even in, you know, 32 years later, I still have some challenges. Uh, I knew that the fight in front of me was was worthy. And I knew my life was worthy. And I knew that the best even then was yet to come. So, for me, it was an easy answer. I, I wanted to live. I did not want to die.
1: Mm. you know the the that alone required so much confidence and 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 it's a testament, It's a testament to what your parents had given you already in your short mm. years of life, the gift that they've given you in terms of the the family, the community, the 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 faith um, yeah. that, they, that they passed on to you and And it equipped you with the ability to say, "No, I want to live because there's something worth living for, even not knowing what was ahead of you um, so many questions, so many painful days and and you you went all in, maybe not completely at, you know through your healing process, but you went all in in the moment that you you said I want to live, and do you know the the origin of the of the phrase "all in"? Hmm. I mean, I can only date it back to gambling. I'm, I'm sure it goes back farther than that. So it's an Aztec. The, the phrase "all in" is actually an Aztec word. O l l i n. There's there's a great book called "The Power of Words: uh, Discovering huh. Your Life's Purpose Through the Power of Words" by a guy named Kevin Hall, and he discovered the origin of that word, and it was a it was a cry. That these Aztecs would give when it was time to, to you know, for, to come in or to to go out, and it, and it required your all of you everything, Yes. And um,
0: and this I'll be stealing that shamelessly going forward. So I need you to know that live right now in this podcast. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I love that origin story.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a great book, by the way. Um, and uh, and there's a ton more in there in that book by yeah. Kevin Hall, but. You know the thing is that that prevents us from from moving all in is that we feel like we have to have all things mapped out and and scheduled and have different checkpoints and milestones and all of these things that we've been told that we need to have in order to move forward in life in order to achieve anything but that's a big fat lie. So what is the if there's one thing that we need in order to move all in, in our life today, through your experience and through the thousands and thousands of people that you've touched with your story and who have interacted with you. If there's one thing that we need to move all in, what would that thing be? (laughs) Well, I think
0: the Aztec battle cry is part of it. I think the reality is is that we are in battle every day, whether you want to admit it or not, battling your relationships and your partnerships and your marriages, and as a parent, as a son, as a daughter, professionally, athletically, spiritually. But the thing is, most of us don't even recognize it as being a battle. We just view it as being the ordinary or the mundane, or it's just carpool, or it's just my wife, or it's just work, and we don't recognize how sacred the moment is. We don't. We don't recognize how how freaking blessed we are to be in the game in the first place mm-hmm. There's, you know one one biological research study says that there's a one in 400 trillion chance of you being on earth just bi- biologically meaning at the moment your mom and dad came together a one in 400 trillion chance that that would happen that just that moment would happen and that doesn't include the fact that the math works upward from there that, that, that same math works for your grandparents and your great grandparents and I would imagine many of your listeners are throughout North America or in first world nations. Well, you found yourself born into a first world nation at the freest, wealthiest point in the history of the world. If that doesn't arouse you to be all in, then I'm, I'm not sure what will, but one, one thing I would add to it in, in, in hopes of waking you up farther. My mom and dad used to refer to what happened to little John O'Leary as his accident when he when he accidentally blew the can of gasoline up. Well, for you, uh, for you physics majors out there, wh- what happens when you hold a flame to a can of gasoline? You know, it's that's not an accident. This is a law of nature. And I think too frequently in life, we call our life, we call traffic jams, we call being delayed, we call going through struggles relationally or whatever we're doing, just having a bad day, accidents. It just, It was an accident. And I think all in reminds us that it's not an accident, that you have a say in the matter. And that that say matters. That the way you think will affect the way you feel, affects your beliefs, affects what you say and do, and ultimately the life you live. So for me, it's the only way forward in life. Mm-hmm. The accidental
1: or the non-all-in life is just not one that leads to true vibrancy or joy. Mm-hmm. This episode is brought to you by the Lawton Marketing Group Two zero six three. Connect with them now for a complimentary competitive analysis of your website. Just tell them the impact entrepreneur holds you to call. I actually, as you're talking, I actually think that the accidents happen by following the same path, right? So getting mm-hmm. in the same, going the same, getting in the same traffic each and every day. What ends up happening, we've all done it. We've all done it. We got this, where it's 3:30 in the afternoon on the on, in Santa Cruz, California, and highway one is stacked with traffic. And I'm I I see the same cars, I'm going the same direction. And so I tune out, right? And and then that's where the fender benders happen. Right. But when we break the pattern, when we change the trajectory, when we take a different path, we have to be more aware, right? And as you're talking, I'm thinking about you know when we go all in, we have to accept that there's going to be chaos that will happen, chaos that will ensue as a result of the unknown. You know, it's impossible for Ernest Shackleton to think that he's going to sail down to Antarctica and his boat is going to get crushed, and then he and his twenty-eight crew members survive five hundred, almost six hundred days later, right? It's it's impossible for him to even predict that right to even imagine that and yet it happened and one of the things there's a, another very poignant moment in your story where you've you've come home from the hospital and you're sitting around the table and you're surrounded by a family that's been broken scarred that's tired that will never be the same but you're all alive and i think that that is something that We miss our society today is inclined to quit despite all of that. Just we are, we don't, we are afraid of being broken. We are afraid of being scarred. We are afraid of being tired. We are afraid of change and, and we're even more afraid to be alive. And, and it's, it's this. It's, it's I think it's because we are afraid of what we are truly capable of if we are brave. I think you're totally right. I I, I think the problem is... There's this moment, John, in your story where you come home from the hospital and y- you and your family are sitting around the table and you acknowledge that there's the brokenness, there's scars, people are tired, there's this acknowledgement that we're never going to be the same again. But but at that same time, we're alive. And I think that that is something that we as a society and maybe even as individuals, let's speak to the individual right now. We are afraid of being broken. We are afraid of being scarred. We're afraid of being tired. We're afraid of change. And I think that we are oftentimes afraid of even being alive because of what it actually means to be alive, what it takes to be fully engaged in the world around us and engaged in our potential. (laughs) <laughs> so you're you bringing
0: up something pretty deep here. And uh, I would suggest that you're absolutely right. I think we are uh, anxious about what it may look like to be fully engaged with our potential. And I would also suggest, Mike, that I think most of us think that we are fully alive and we are fully engaged. But then when we see someone, whether it's a custodian or a, a podcast host like yourself that reminds us of what being fully alive look like looks like, we recognize that we aren't as fully engaged in our relationships, in our faith walk, in our health, in our citizenship, and in our life as we possibly could. We, as you progress through life, will get burnt, you will get scarred, you will fail, you will fall. But rather than hiding from that, I say embrace it. I, our, our scars exist because the wounds have healed, and they actually connect us to one another, those around us. So I think it is, it's, it's the most... Personal that it's actually the most connective. So the most, the more we can embrace the gift and the profound nature of our own stories, the more we can connect with those around us. So it, it kind of goes back to being all in again, and uh, not hesitating when the opportunities present themselves in front of you to step forward first.
1: You know, one of the things that y- you bring up, and 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 it's that we we end up getting focused on some of the unimportant things in life. And that really prevents us from moving from one mindset to another. And this reminds me of a question that my sister Katie, who actually is the first person that connected us um, or, or brought yeah. you know brought your work to my attention, she was she's an Arbon rep, and she was at this big convention in Las Vegas where you spoke, and she said, "Mike, you have to read John O'Leary's stuff. You have to listen to his stuff. You have to have him on your show." And I was like, "You know what? You're right." And, uh, and I, I reached out to her and she said, what are some of the unimportant things she wanted to know from you? What are some of the unimportant things that prevent us from moving from a victim's mindset to a victor's mindset? Wow.
0: You know, I mean, there's so much there, Mike, and uh, your sister Katie is awesome. One, the first and foremost is, is the ability we have in our life to embrace who we are, where we've been, and where we're going next. I think what makes it impossible to shift from being a victim to being a victor, whether it's over an abuse that happened yesterday, over a fire that you endured, a bankruptcy, a divorce, a lousy upbringing, a missed flight, whatever it was, the thing that keeps you from moving forward to the other side of the ledger is the belief that you actually can. We allow memories to hold us back. We allow others to hold us back. We allow TSA officers to hold us back. We allow frequently life and experience to hold us back. And as long as we allow these things to hold us back rather than elevate us forward, it will continue to do exactly what it's done to this point, which is to allow us to be and to remain a victim. But we have something in, in, in our the gift of our life called free choice, free will, the ability to progress, to learn from mistakes, to become more compassionate, more faithful, more courageous, more, to dare greatly. And the only way we can truly do this is to be like you have suggested to be a child again, to recognize that we have these keys that through curiosity and through courage, through storytelling and through the audacity of taking the next first step that we can not only embrace our story, but then write a better
1: story going forward. Mm -hmm. I love what you just said about the next first step because actually every single step we take every single day has never been done before, nor will it be repeated. That's exactly right. <laughs> you know, both. You know, there's. It's life is a series of both ands, not either ors. And like, it takes both our individual action and community. And um, and one of the, I one of the moments in your story that I love, <laughs> and 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 I love everything about your story and everything you're doing and, and the message that you're sharing. But one of the mo- most important moments is when Jack Butts walked into your hospital room and said, kid, wake up. And and I think that we're all in need at, at multiple times, sometimes multiple times a day. <laughs> we all are in need of, of a Jack Buck in our life who will come in and say, wake up. You're meant for more. Keep going. So John O'Leary, this is a question for you. Who are the people in your community today that right now remind you of your potential, and that correct you when you veer off course. That that re- that help remind you that you have a, a target, a destination that you are trying to a- arrive right. at, and 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 serve to hold you accountable mm-hmm. there.
0: So, Mike, again, dude, you ask beautiful questions. For me, my wife is at the very top of that list. We have together four kids, ages 13 through seven, that are almost equal to her. I have a community of guys in our church community that hold me very accountable to what matters most in life. So all those ladies and gentlemen are at the the top of the list. I have parents and siblings. I have a board of advisors in my organization. But I'm going to take your question probably in a way that you may not have been expecting. For me, I, I get inspired, like radically so, by the ordinary heroes. But the, Probably the most transformative person in my story was the janitor who kept the floors and the bed and the sheets and the tables extraordinarily clean in my, in my room during five and a half months of recovery and burn center that allowed a little boy with no chance at life to return to life. So a minimum wage Hmm. janitor is the hero of John O'Leary's story. And then there's another guy who made just about minimum wage named Nurse Roy, who was my burn tech. And it was Roy who taught me how to walk again. And not only to walk physically, but to walk spiritually and emotionally and have a dream one day of walking again. Roy never saw me walk, but it was his vision while I was in burn center that allowed a little boy to grow into a man who now travels the world on his own legs. Last mm-hmm. night in Minneapolis, I spoke to a, at a conference and I, you know, after speaking, I'm hugging people and I'm hearing their stories. A woman shared that she'd just been diagnosed with stage four cancer. She's one of my heroes today. A guy came up who uh, has cystic fibrosis. He's one of my heroes today. A woman came up after him, not, not far behind this gentleman in line and shared that her brother two years ago committed suicide and now she lives for him. So like, you know, who, who turns me on and who reminds me to wake up, wake up, uh, people, ordinary people who remind me that there is no such thing as ordinary people. We are gifts. There is scientifically one in 400 trillion chance of you being here. And maybe it's time that we act like it. So for me, I I get Hmm. lit up when I think of Jack Buck and I get lit up when I think of my own mom and dad. But man, I really catch on fire with life when I I bump into ordinary people who remind me they aren't and neither am I.
1: I love it, man. I I love it. There's something about um, janitors. And and one of the main characters in my book is actually, uh, he's, you know him for most of the book as the janitor. Um, but, uh, but there's, there's, you know, there's, there, there are incredibly talented and gifted and wonderful, beautiful people all around us all the time. We just have to wake up and see That's them. Exactly right. You know? And, and I think that at, at our, at our core, um, the core driver for all of us is that we want to be seen, and we want to know that we matter, right? And and so if we feel that way, if we feel, hey, Mike Flint, I want to be seen, and I want to feel like I matter. Well, then guess what? I bet you John O'Leary wants to be seen and wants to feel like he matters, and the and Nurse Roy wants to be seen and feel like he matters. So so let's step up and let's see the other people first and make sure that they know that they matter first and then we will be able to receive that as opposed to waiting because otherwise everybody's going to be waiting to be seen and waiting to be mattered. I love it. And to weigh in on that a little bit,
0: I, I think the way you see people is to put the phone down, to put the paper down, to put the busyness and the task at hand down and to have the audacity and the wherewithal to actually look people in the eyes it's something i practice mike i know i know you know this about my story but i when i walk into a podcast interview or a coffee shop or a prison or a huge conference with ceos i always begin with the words i love you there's nothing you can do about it <laughs> and it has a way of reminding me who actually matters in the room And and Hmm. placing myself and my ego and my emails and my bank account and everything else that matters to me, in quotes, secondarily to the lady, the gentleman, the child, the retiree, the homeless person who's in front of me in this very moment. And so um, I I would challenge your, your listeners, next time they come across someone who is below them, and I am using the finger quotes right now. To look that person in the eye, to quietly in their heart say, I love you. There's nothing you can look, nothing you can do about it. And then to begin a conversation with them. Before you order the coffee Mm. or before you check into the hotel room or before you go through TSA, treat that person as if they are a person and watch how the interaction changes not only them, because it will, but changes you. And if you start doing this enough in life, it's going to lead to a radically different life that's going to affect not only your sales and your marriages and
1: your parenting, but also the lives of those that you bump into. You know, John, that is incredibly powerful advice. And I'm going to start practicing that right now by saying to you, I love you, John, and there's nothing you can do (laughs) about it. It just got awkward. I love it. I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I always uh, ask the same three questions of each of my guests as we wrap up. And and I know you have um, another meeting coming up, so I want to be sure we get there. So, the first question is if... Well, before we do that, I want to make sure that people know where they can connect with you and interact with you online. Awesome. So um, first of all, I
0: love your podcast and I love the fact that I get to be a guest of it now. So th- this is extremely humbling and exciting. And if folks want to learn more about the work that I do and that we are doing around around the world, I encourage you to check out JohnO'LearyInspires.com. So JohnO'LearyInspires.com. And... On that site, they can learn more about our book. The book is called On Fire. It's a number one national bestseller. It's been translated into 15 languages. It's a cool book that has nothing at all to do with the author. So check out the book On Fire. And and, uh, once you're through with Mike's podcast, I encourage you at some point to check out ours. It's called Live Inspired with John O'Leary. And I just bring on Mike, awesome people long story format like yours, let them share their stories, their mistakes, the lessons they learn and what it means for the rest of us. We've had some remarkable folks on like Brene Brown and Dave Ramsey and the band Journey. And uh, they just come on humbly. They share their stories. And uh, I think it inspires and encourages us to live our own story a little bit more boldly. So that's called Live Inspired with John O'Leary.
1: And it is a great show. I'm a listener. Well, I'm, I'm honored, man. So you and my mom, now we're up to two people already listening. <laughs> in fact, there was a great conversation that you and Matt Mar had mm-hmm. about gifts, which I think people should go back and listen to that segment about um, about gifts and how and discovering gifts. It's really, really you know, powerful. And, and to speak on Matt Mar for a moment, I, uh, to
0: be totally transparent with you, I, I think that's what connects with friends, but also listeners in a very direct way. I had a tough weekend last weekend. I just was down about a few things going on uh, personally that, that we don't need to unpack right now. And I was thinking about where can I draw some inspiration? And it was actually the Matt Marr podcast out of 130 or so podcasts that we've recorded that I I looked back up, I listened back through because this guy's been through some storms. He's lost some things and his heart is so pure and his focus is so clear that I wanted that same purity and that same focus in my own life again. And so just this past weekend, it was Matt Marr that I turned to for advice, like a friend does, on uh, how I could return to what I know actually matters.
1: Mm. Little little factoid for you: When Matt Mar was getting his start, uh, he stayed at our house. Wow, man, that is awesome! <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. The first question out of the three is: If you could pick any skill set that you currently possess and turn it into a superpower, so dial it up to eleven, what would it be? Wow.
0: <laughs> so I would say my energy. I'm, uh, I was out last night till a little bit after midnight in Minneapolis. I caught an early morning flight back to St. Louis so I could take my kids to school. Uh, so that means I you know, slept about four and a half hours. But if I could take this thing to the nth degree and really fire it up and be even not only more productive, which I think is part of it in life, but to be more present to mm. get the stuff done, the tasks when everybody else is sleeping, so that when everybody else is awake, I could have my phone down and my emails shut and uh, be focused on the people that matter most. That would be awesome. Like that, I would love to be mm. more present with my wife and with my kids, with my parents, with you, and uh, with our community at large.
1: I love that. That's a powerful answer. The the next question is, what are three lies that we tell ourselves that prevent us from living a life inspired? Well, number
0: one, I think is I can't. And I think we finished that sentence by saying, I can't because I'm too old or too young or born of the wrong gender or the wrong race or in the wrong country or at the wrong time or to the wrong family or with a few talents or too much wealth or too little wealth. So uh, it's time for us to quit that that nonsensical game of I can't because. So that, that is a, a great lie that s- steals not only our joy, but our future joy. So it's, it's stealing it from who we are today, but also who we could become tomorrow. So uh, I can't. That's a great lie we tell ourselves. Uh, I'm not enough might be similar. But I think we have this (laughs) limiting belief in our own life that because of where we've been or because of what we've learned or not learned to this point that we are not enough going forward or that we don't have enough. And It's what drives, I think, fear. It's also what drives greed. It's what keeps us from living presently right now in the moment, this idea of not being enough. And so I would scream back to your listeners and to me when I feel this way that you're more than enough that you're here and that you're blessed and that you're in the game, and that you're above ground and you have eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to feel and a mind to think and collaborate. You are already a superhero, so grab the cape and act like it. So uh, Mm -hmm. that, that would be the second. And the third would be that one person can't change the world. And we would frame that by saying, you know what, I'm, I'm no Donald Trump or I'm no Hillary Clinton or I'm no Barack Obama or I'm no uh, big star, big celebrity, Warren Buffett, whatever the, the job title or descriptor of what you think is success and fame, we might say to ourselves, I'm no hurt and I'm no him. And yet what your book signifies and what I think my life represents is the power of one the ability that not only the superstars... So when I was recovering from burns, Jack Buck, the Hall of Fame announcer, was a huge instrumental part in the recovery. And so was Pope John Paul II who wrote letters saying he was praying for us. So were rabbis in Israel planting trees on our behalf. So we had some, we had some power behind us. But the people really doing the work were the janitors They were the parents, they were my siblings, they were the community members, they were the ordinary heroes that are walking among us each and every day, and I'm convinced they are the listeners listening to my voice right now. So great things Mm -hmm. are very seldom done in the White House. Great things are very Mm -hmm. seldom done in state capitals. Typically, great things happen in very unremarkable communities from seemingly very unremarkable people, and they look a lot like you and I. And so I would remind all of us that the power of one is alive and well. Quit believing the lie that you're not enough, that you can't, because
1: you can. You are enough, and the power of one starts with you. Mm, I love it. Last question: If you could, it's a hundred years from now, and you've left a set of instructions for a composer (laughs) to to create a piece, a signature piece that. Really captures and encapsulates the story of John O'Leary. What what instruments? What tempo? What what uh, what would be included in that piece? That would really answer the question: How will John O'Leary <laughs> measure his? I was told there'd be no no math on this on this podcast. So I'm, I'm completely <laughs> blown
0: away by this one. What what you may not know about me is that um, you know, I lost my fingers to amputation, and yet. Came home from the hospital on a Saturday, Mike. On Tuesday, this is my mother now, another ordinary hero for my story. On Tuesday, my mother um, brings in a piano teacher into into our house. And this little boy with no fingers on a morphine drip in a wheelchair starts taking piano class. Like impossible. This makes no sense. And I was so angry at my mom. And I was even more angry, Mike, when she came back the following Tuesday, this piano teacher. And then the following Tuesday for five years. So when I have the honor of speaking professionally today, more than half the time or so now, I will play a song. I'll play a song live. This, this speaker, this author, without fingers, starts jamming a song. And sometimes that song is <laughs> um, like Coldplay. Sometimes it's uh, Amazing Grace. Sometimes it's Memory. Sometimes it's a song by Journey. Uh, Don't Stop Believing. Great. <laughs> by the way, you want to hear a great story? Listen to the Jonathan Kane interview on, on the Live Inspired podcast. It's going to blow your mind, it's going to freak you out. Okay. Uh, so I learned how to play Don't Stop Believing so I could play it for Jonathan Kane. But I, uh, what I would say is there's got to be a piano in this, and it's got to start off slow and sloppy, and it's got to be ugly, and it's got to be a little bit out of tune. And then it's got to come together. And we need a little bit of a drum, a little bit of a guitar, a little bit of a bass carrying it forward. We need a vocal that starts off slow. And then it needs to start singing out. And then there needs to be a chorus that collects the voices of others Almost like we are the world where it starts with one voice and then there becomes a collection of people from around the world singing together about the limitless possibility with all of our lives. But then at the very end, like stairway to heaven, it slows back down. A voice slowly mellows out. And then all that is left is a little piano that ends with the same awkward tune that they began with. And I I think that Hmm. is kind of the story of our lives. And I'm not prepared to to answer this, but here it is. You start off, naked and you poop on yourself and you're looking for your mama for food and you can't do anything and by the end of it you die naked and by yourself and look into your mama for a little bit of food you, you can't do much but in between this is the, this is the hyphen this is the good part you get to decide what kind of life will i live and how many lives can i impact through the music that i choose to create and again, my challenge to all of us, and I'm looking in the mirror right now, literally, is to create something beautiful that 100 years downstream is worthy of being echoed.
1: Hmm. John O'Leary, thank you for inspiring us today to live a life inspired. This has been a fun and powerful conversation.
0: Mike, you are... I've been asked a whole lot of questions through a whole lot of media, and I've never been asked more than half of the questions you asked today. So this was
1: a joy. When you want to do it again, I hope you call me back. I will. I will for sure. You can count on it. Thank you to this week's guest, and thank you for listening. If you missed any of the key points and highlights from my conversation, we've got you covered over at theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash podcast for show notes to each and every episode. And while you are there, check out Flynn Wealth Strategies and Insurance Solutions. You can do that by visiting FlynnWealthStrategies.com the Lot Marketing Group, and the Podcast Masters. We could not do this show without them and with all of their support. Now, until next time, go make an impact.